This is an ABC podcast. Hi, I'm Toby Hemmings. I'm an audio producer for the Newcastle Hunter Catch-Up. And normally, I'm nowhere near a microphone. But today, I'm in uh, this chair. Because this morning, as we were going to record our script, I got this audio message. Good morning, team. Slight problem. So, let's discuss what happens now, I guess. So, yeah. This is what happens now. Kaya's on vocal rest. You'll still hear bits of her throughout the show from interviews she conducted before her voice broke. Uh, We've left Maitland. We're surrounded by farming community. When we were planning this episode, it began with this place we'd never heard of before, just outside of Maitland. Uh, There's paddocks that are ready to be sown. There are horses and cows barns. It's a spiritual site that's nearly 200 years old, a place of great importance to a long-standing local community that you might not know about. A small blue sign on the laneway. That small blue sign points the way to one of the oldest Jewish cemeteries in the country. It feels not like a place that you'd usually see a cemetery, so I am curious as to where this takes us. Today, on the Newcastle Hunter Catch-Up, we're digging deep into Maitland's Jewish history in a hidden-away graveyard that speaks to the past. We have this sense of the grasses and the water and the mystery, if you like, of the gravestones. And the growing future of Judaism in the Hunter Valley. It's amazing to be able to carry on that, that tradition and be part of, the, be part of Newcastle history. To understand how we ended up sending Kaya out into a paddock on yet another rainy day, we need to start with Joe and Janice. As soon as Joe Eisenberg moved to Maitland, he began hearing about a cemetery. Well, it began with me when I got my job at Maitland Regional Art Gallery. Very soon after I got there, people realised by my surname that I was obviously Jewish and started telling me about the Jewish cemetery. I must admit, when we came to Maitland, we weren't aware of it. That's Janice, Joe's partner. She's a historian, he's a curator, and together they're a bit of a double act. So are you happy between yourselves to, to jump in and, and answer and, yep. you know, correct each other? And We're used to this. We're <laughs> used to this. Perfect. We've been doing it for 40 years. Oh, my goodness. Joe and Janice knew that back in the 1800s, Maitland was a rough and tumble frontier town. A lot of people don't realise that till the bridge was built over the Hawkesbury, Maitland was the centre rather than Newcastle. What they didn't know was how much of the early success of Maitland was linked to a vibrant community of Jewish settlers. You can see this history when you walk around Maitland. There's the old synagogue on Church Street, the building that houses the Centrelink was once a prominent Jewish retailer, David Cohen and Co. And it seems that everyone in town knew that there was also a Jewish cemetery, but no one was quite sure where it was. People would send Joe out to the outskirts of town, point him in different directions. I was sent down many roads and many tracks, even to a Polish cemetery <laughs> and to all sorts of other little cemeteries. Until eventually he found that small blue sign saying Jewish cemetery down a laneway. And I went down a track which was full of grasses and horses on either side. 
finally came to gates which I could hardly open, metal gates. And on the other side was a big lump of grasses and a few stones, headstones, and something of a very small, fallen over, dying cemetery, dead cemetery, and I almost burst into tears. There was the cemetery, deep in overgrown grasses, basically in the middle of a horse stud. For Joe, the graves in this state were overwhelming. I just couldn't believe this. They were pretty well kept in fairly good conditions with beautiful little markers Mm. and stones. Joe and Janice were living separately at the time because she was in Armidale, teaching at the university. I said, you must come and have a look at this cemetery. I took her to visit it. And then when she eventually moved to Maitland, we decided that we ought to do something about this cemetery more than revive it, in inverted commas, but do something and bring it somehow back to life. If you can bring a cemetery back to life. Bringing cemeteries back to life was kind of what Joe and Janice did, though. They'd previously worked for the state government, examining Chinese cemeteries that would go across the state, identifying people from long ago, passing together fragments like a jigsaw puzzle. The cemetery was an active active cemetery from the late 1840s to the 1930s, and then it fell into neglect. It offers this opportunity to connect to stories and understanding about colonial Maitland. Joe and Janice began building a picture of the people who were buried in Maitland, translating the Hebrew on the headstones. The people buried there, their backgrounds, reflect a wider cross-section of the community as well, because we have buried there everyone from extremely wealthy and successful commercial enterprise. We also have, in terms of socioeconomic backgrounds, um, people who are some labourers, uh, convicts. Um, they're yeah, so it's really good cross-section. Joe commissioned an artist, Hannah Kay, to capture a sense of the cemetery. Janice was working on a heritage conservation plan. Everything was moving ahead as planned. And then Leah Abadie died. You're probably thinking, who is Leah Abadie in this story? There was a lady whose connect- her family was connected to uh, Maitland. Her family grew up there. That's Yossi Roddle the rabbi of Newcastle. Um, but anyway, she got in, this is before my time, she got in touch with the president of the synagogue and she says, can I be buried? Maitland is my family's thing. Now, nobody had been buried there in the last hundred years. The Jewish cemetery had fallen into disrepair as the community left Maitland in the early 20th century. However, it turns out that the cemetery wasn't actually closed. That meant someone could apply to be buried there and Leah Abadie's daughter did that. And after much discussion, figuring out who's responsible, the council giving the okay, the Jewish community giving the okay, in the end, Leah Abadie got her wish. That was uh, a burial of sorts, because for a burial you need 10 uh, Jewish men called a minion, and there weren't uh, 10 Jewish men there at the time. There were a couple of grave diggers there who were sort of rustled up Uh, and handkerchiefs put on their heads, and so that we had the equivalent of so-called 10 Jewish men to watch over the burial. Apparently, 
the lady said she, uh, when she was asked why didn't she want to be buried in the Newcastle Cemetery, and she said, oh, I would never do there, I'd never go there, there's too many, uh, too many trucks <laughs> rolling by, I wouldn't be able to rest in peace. All the attention from the burial and the surrounding bureaucratic drama ended up building momentum for protecting the site. Eventually, the cemetery was closed and then conserved. It was put on the State Heritage Register as one of two standalone Jewish cemeteries. Before Leah Abadie, the last burial in the cemetery was in the 1930s. The Jewish community had moved on from Maitland during the economic depressions of the 1890s and the 1930s. What was once the thriving centre of activity disappeared. After their work restoring the cemetery, Joe and Janice also moved on to Canberra. There's a huge emotion about it, isn't it? It's quite an emotional experience to do these sort of projects um, because you have a sense of putting people into into the history books, into art, places and people that perhaps have fallen to the edges. It's, it's something that you just move on from, but you don't leave it totally behind mm. and it stays with you and you feel that you've left something positive behind mm. for others to take on. The work of maintaining the cemetery site is one thing, but a cemetery itself is a testament to a community of people, a Jewish community that built Maitland nearly 200 years ago. As Maitland waned, the community moved on to the more prosperous Newcastle in the early 20th century, building a synagogue on Tyrrell Street. There have been ups and downs since then, but in the most recent census, the Jewish population in Newcastle and the Hunter Valley had grown by 42%. Now, granted, that's from a low base, but there are more and more Jewish people finding themselves in this region. So how has this way of life been kept alive and passed on? Hello, I'm Kaya. To find out, we asked Kaya to take a little detour to Hebrew school. Kaya's here from the ABC and she's going to be watching all the amazing stuff that goes on in our... I'm friends with. I'm not friends with Bluey. That's a lie. Uh, but she could. But be. I could be. Technically, we work at the same place. Exactly, yeah, that's yeah. Malky, the wife of Rabbi Rodar. The two of them run this after-school program once a week that teaches Jewish children more about Jewish culture. It's a chaotic mix of pomegranate and challah, honey bread. We, we live for this. This is amazing. There's something special about kids and the energy that they bring and the... I mean, they're after a full day of school and they're still, like, all into it and it's, it's amazing. So, um... Obviously, education, the next generation, is the, the future. So Judaism has always put a lot of emphasis on education. So for us, it was just a natural thing to set up a Hebrew school when we, when we came. When they arrived in 2020, Yossi became the first permanent rabbi in Newcastle in nearly 70 years. The community had continued gathering without one. As numbers dwindled, there were only a few regular patrons who would meet in the synagogue every Friday night. We have visited about probably 15 times throughout the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. Because you were like, has suitcase, will travel, Rabbi, right? <laughs> that's, that's a good description. <laughs> um, we would travel even if we didn't have a suitcase. We were, <laughs> we were that crazy. Before this, Yossi and Malki would go across the country to bring Judaism to people outside the built-up communities. But as their kids got older, the option to settle in Newcastle came up. When we told everyone we were moving to Newcastle... Everyone turns up their noses and said, Newcastle? Why would you move there? And we love it here. It is just, it's a beautiful part of the world. The Jewish people have lived here the whole time, but mm. 
I think I guess they were fragmented because there wasn't it wasn't so active. The synagogue was always open on a Friday night, but it wasn't pulling in too many people. Mm-hmm. And now, as you can see, with all the noise upstairs, there's a, <laughs> there's a growing community and a lot of younger people, and it's a very diverse crowd from all different backgrounds. Yossi and Malki see the growth of their community, not only in the Hunter, but across Australia, as something promising to build on. It's very, very heartening to see the uh, the increase in the official numbers. And, you know, in a place like I look in Cessnock and it says there's eight Jewish people that I only know of four. Mm. So that gives me homework to do. <laughs> we had the opportunity, um, because a lot of the members here are older, and they've uh, a few born and bred Nova Castrians that live here. I only found out that that, that was a word, like, <laughs> last year. <laughs> Never cash means, but... You have to be here a while before you call one. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but I had the opportunity to speak to them, and there's a, a very, very rich history of of the Jewish, Jewish people here. Oh. For example, in Maitland, um, my wife and I just had the opportunity to go to the, to the cemetery there three weeks ago for the first time. Uh, I, I think I looked into it once, and I think the first original Jewish settler... <clears throat> in Maitland was a convict. <laughs> so, that's all right. We all were. A lot exactly. Of <laughs> we all started out like that way. From 1840, that first convict arriving in Maitland, to you in 2022, to that room of youngsters up there, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> Looking, that's, that's pretty spe- That's amazing. Looking at it from that perspective, it's pretty special. Yeah. Yeah. I can see the top of the graves. Some of the more older bigger ones I think. And it's that perspective that comes to mind walking through the restored Maitland Jewish Cemetery. Leah Aberdee, aged 100 years, daughter of Isaac and Rose. So in the recent flood the waters came right up to the cemetery and as I like to say God still looked after the, uh, the Jewish cemetery. Yeah. yeah. Behind me there's some more. We're surrounded by horses and farmland. You wouldn't know it was here. It's hard to find. You wouldn't stumble across it. But it's beautifully done with grasses. You can see how it would have easily become overgrown, but it's looking good. When I walk into the synagogue, I get chills because I feel the history there. And I just think there were people who built this building with such intention and love for their heritage. And here we are, I'm getting, like, I'm getting goosebumps. Here we are, 100 years later, being able to continue that and, and, and take that further. And I just, I feel like those souls are soaring higher. Just so glad that what they invested has continued on. It feels like a special place, standing here in the rain, surrounded by horses and farmland. It's nice. The Newcastle Hunter Catch-Up is produced on a Awabakal country. It's normally presented and produced by Kaya Handley. It's produced by me, Toby Hemmings. Nick Lowther is the supervising producer, and Bridget Murphy is our digital producer. If you like the pod, give us a review wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back next week with your regularly scheduled host and with more local stories from around Newcastle and the Hunter Valley. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.